Today we start a new series on prayer. And uh, we turn to the 14th chapter of John's Gospel where Jesus is talking to His disciples and He says, These words I say are not just my own, rather it is the Father living in me who is doing His work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles. For I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing, and he will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. This is God's Word. Friends, uh, as we begin this series on prayer, we're so grateful for that privilege that God has given to us. What a gift, what a blessing that God has given to us. And yet we have to be honest that many times uh, our prayers are not so God-centered, they're very much me-centered. And while we can pray for all things and everything, and God hears our prayers, uh, some are a little bit strange, like the one I heard uh, from the lady uh, who announced to her office team that she was going on a diet. And uh, uh, the next morning, she brought in this huge double chocolate cream cake. And she cut a big piece for herself and said, help yourselves, everyone. And everyone looked at her and said, I thought you were going on a diet. And she says, yeah, but, but God answered a prayer of mine this morning. And they said, oh, yeah? I was driving by the bakery, and I saw this beautiful cake in the window. I slowed down. And then I, and I asked God, I said, God, if you open up a parking spot right in front of the bakery, that, that's your signal that it's your will that I should, should, should buy and eat this cake. And so then she went on to say, after she rounded the block 10 times, a parking spot opened. And she knew that God had answered her prayer. But seriously, prayer. And how's your prayer life? Is prayer something that you enjoy? Is it part of your regular routine? Or... Is it something that is, you find very difficult in your busy world? You know, last week, Pastor Max talked about how we run so hard, and as a result, our, our being, our meaning in, in, of who we are uh, is, is about doing, and we're all about performance. And then we heard that we need to rest. And part of our resting is not only that we rest our bodies, but we rest our souls, and we find that rest comes in the communication process that we have with the God who made us and the God who loves us. And when we talk about communication, God comes to us, doesn't He? It's all about His grace. He comes to us through His Word today in holy baptism, in, in, in communion next week here in our, in our worship center. And as God comes to us, the, the communication process is completed then as we honor God in thanking Him, in praising Him and talking to Him in our prayers. And yet, so oftentimes, prayer, rather than a joy, becomes a burden. Contrast that with what Jesus said. He said, you, you can ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. And so today we want to talk about what is faithful prayer. What does it mean? The Bible says that faithful prayer starts with knowing where we stand with God. What is our standing with God? Where, what's, where, where are we with Him? 
And uh, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 3 says this. He says, all things are yours. He says, all things are yours because you are of Christ and Christ is of God. You see, because Christ, the very king of the universe, has and owns everything. When we are attached to him, all things, he says, are ours because we are of Christ and Jesus is God. So that now we have the privilege to be able to go to him and our standing is firm on who we are. When you're faced with challenges, you know that all things are yours in Christ and you are bold to go before the very throne of God. All things are yours and as a result, you no longer have to live in anxiety and fear. You don't longer have to to be concerned, hey, is God going to take care of me? Am I ever really going to retire? Is my health going to hold up? How are my kids going to do? And we worry and we stew about all those things. But because of your standing with God, all things are yours. Prayer then becomes God's idea, His blessing, His gift to us. Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, I will do. And, and that's a key, isn't it? That, that we ask in the name of Jesus. And it's more than a formula. I like to think of it as, as what happens when we are clothed with Christ. You know, the Bible says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. In, in Romans, the Apostle Paul says, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I, I try to think of what, what would be similar to that. When I was a little kid, I enjoyed going into my parents' bedroom, especially on winter days, and I would find one of their bathrobes, and I'd put it on, and the sleeves would go well, uh, well below my hands, and it would drag on the floor, but I was completely covered up with that robe. And uh, it was a comfort. In the same way, when we put on the Lord Jesus at our baptism, and as that faith is nourished and fed with the gospel throughout our lives, we are clothed with Jesus. So that now when God looks at us, what does he see? He sees not you. He, he sees not your sinful thoughts or your words or your actions. He doesn't see the things you do wrong or the things that you fail to do right. He sees Jesus. He sees His only begotten Son who went to the cross and paid the price so that we could wear His robe of righteousness. And because of that, we are free then to come to Him. Wear the right clothes, right? The robe of righteousness. But have you ever been to an event where you wore the wrong clothes? That happened to me early in my ministry. I received an invitation, and um, you know I, it had the date and the time and the place, and I put it in my calendar book, and I, I, for, I threw away the invitation and forgot about it. Then when the day came, I, w- I, I showed up at the event, and I was wearing my work clothes. At that time, it was, a, it was a dress shirt and a tie and a sport coat, and I walked in, and I realized I had made a mistake. It was a pool party, all right? <laughs> you feel lousy, you wear the wrong thing. And the same is true for many people when it comes to their prayer life. Instead of wearing the robe of Christ and His righteousness, so many people wear the robe of guilt. They see prayer as a burden for their lives, not as a joy. Many of the things that I've read about Christian prayer have left me under a truckload of guilt, and maybe it's like that for you too. You read things on prayer, it says you should be doing this. You should say that. You should claim this promise. You should move this mountain with your prayers. This person should be healed in the name of Jesus, and on and on and on. And then you get done with all that, and you say, boy, 
my prayers are pretty bad, pretty lousy. The famous German Lutheran pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer, for example, once admitted that his prayer life was something to be ashamed of. Even Martin Luther, as a monk, he said he prayed for three, four, five hours a day, the best time of the day, the best part of the day, and he said that he walked away feeling unfulfilled, that it didn't mean anything to him. That's because we get dressed in the wrong kind of clothing. Contrast that with the Apostle Paul under the Holy Spirit when he says, have no anxiety, no guilt about anything. Instead, he says, pray. And because of that standing that we have with God, he says, the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind. Peace. That's so different than than that load of, of shoulds and have tos. Because prayer is not about you, it's not about me, it's about God. Prayer is His gift. It's His idea. All things are already yours because of your standing with Him. When Jesus taught about prayer, like in Matthew chapter 6, He often talked about people who seemed to be praying with the wrong clothing on, and especially the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes. They were intense about their prayer life, so much so that at this time, in the first century, prayer had degenerated from a flowing, joy-filled spontaneity from a person's heart due to their relationship with God to a rigid, packaged uh, plan. Prayer changed from a joy and a privilege that was God-centered into all these man-made obligations. They became a formal exercise, and they had all these memorized prayers for almost every event in life, before meals, after meals, early in the morning, noon, 3 o'clock, 6 o'clock, and it just went on and on and on. There's nothing wrong with memorized prayers. They can be a real joy to your heart. But what had happened is that these prayers would slip off people's tongues, but they didn't have any meaning. Formal prayer became so ritualistic, and not only then were they prescribed as to what you were saying, but also where you had to say them. And for most people, the prescription was they had to be said in the synagogue or in the temple. Long prayer was most heard readily by God. That's what they thought. And so the prayers got long and flowery. Uh, One well-known Jewish prayer had no less than 16 adjectives before God, okay? Gracious, almighty, loving, omnipotent, omniscient, on and on, blah, 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 okay? They didn't have any meaning. Perhaps worst of all, prayer had become a cause for pride rather than a humble expression of a person in severe need. Praying in public became a status symbol so that the Pharisees would would go out in public and they would raise their hands before God and bow their head and they would shout at the top of their lungs so that everyone would see them and hear them. Dressing up in guilt, the shoulds, the should-nots when it comes to prayer doesn't work. It didn't work then and it doesn't work now. And that's why the disciples, they saw something different in Jesus. And they came to Jesus and they saw him go, as he would talk about, in the closet of his heart. And he would talk to his father. He would go away from the busyness of the day. He would talk to Abba, his dad, his father, in meaningful prayer. And that's when they said to Jesus, Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray like that. And when Jesus teaches us to pray, we find that 
that by His grace, we are dressed in a different kind of robe. Instead of being dressed in the shoulds, in the guilt that so often weighs us down, Jesus dresses us in grace. The fact that God knows you perfectly. He knows everything about you. And He loves you just the way that you are. Isn't that amazing? That's what grace is. And when you have Christ in your heart, you are clothed with Him. All things are yours. And instead of having tension and anxiety about prayer, we simply trust the one who has made us His own. And as we go to Him in prayer, God's grace enables us to be genuine, real. We don't have to try to show off before God. According to Jesus, real, genuine prayer It comes from your heart as a thankful response to what God has already done for you. Faithful prayer isn't a lot of God talk. And if you want to know what what, what real meaningful, heartfelt prayer is, uh, teach a four-year-old Sunday school class. When I was in college, I got to to teach four-year-olds. And when it came time to prayer, it was amazing to listen to them talk to their Father in heaven. You can't tell me that children can't have a relationship with God. As they poured out their, they used language that was so real. Or listen to a new Christian pray. You know, there's none of this, this flowery religious talk. It's, it's meaningful. It's from the heart. And God says, that's what I want to hear from you. He says, that's what it means to be clothed in grace. Grace not only allows us to be genuine, but grace enables us then and empowers us to trust Him. You know, when we are clothed with Christ, God sees us, He knows our needs, and He promises to provide for us. Remember the promise that that the Apostle Paul said to the Christians at Philippi? He said, and my God will supply all your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. How many of your needs does God promise to take care of? Say it with me. All, not just some, not just the top priority ones, all your needs. That's the promise, and so you can trust Him. Jesus, in our, in our gospel lesson, says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, okay, so that the Son may be glorified. That's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is glorified as we trust in Him and as He answers our prayers. It's not that you are glorified, but that He is glorified. And I don't know about you, but sometimes God doesn't always give me everything I want. He doesn't answer all my prayers in the way that I would like for Him to. One Christian author compares it to like going out to eat at, a, at, a, at an expensive restaurant. And you're paying this, this big amount, you know it, it's going to be well over 100 bucks. And so when the waiter or the waitress comes, you give them your order, and then you expect that you're going to get things the way that you want them, right? And that's the way a lot of people see prayer. That they go to God and they say, God, this is what I have to have. This is what I need. And I expect you to... to to do it because I'm paying the check. No, when it comes to God, you aren't paying the check. Jesus has already put his name on the check. And that's what it means when you go to him and that he is glorified. God answers our prayers. I, I like the way uh, what happened in Mark chapter 7. Jesus had just healed the man who was deaf and uh, he was mute. And Mark comments that the people were overwhelmed and they were amazed. And they all cried out. This is what they said. He has done everything well. Everything Jesus does well. Do you believe that? That's what faith says as we go to the Lord clothed with His grace. Jesus, I know that you've done everything well in my life. 
according to your plan for me in the past. I know that you're doing everything well for me right now. And when it comes to the future, I'm going to trust you. And you're going to do everything well then too. We trust that everything is going to be done well. It's hard though, isn't it, sometimes? A seminary classmate of mine uh, graduated and was at their first church. They were blessed with a daughter. And secondly, then they were blessed with a son. But the son was just a few days old when he started to develop a lung infection, a rare lung infection. And uh, none of the medications, the antibiotics worked, and their only son died. It was tragic. And friends, if you've ever had to face the death of a child, of your own child, it's just overwhelming, and some people never get over it. And yet, this pastor writes three years later, he said, in the past three years, my wife and I grieved with buckets of tears, but my wife and I have not seen one thread of evidence to make us question that God did not give us His best. And even though God did not give us what we asked for, the Lord has given us peace to see a greater glimpse of heaven and the eternal good that our son has inherited and that one day we will share with him. How good God is. He is always faithful. He does everything well so that we can trust him. And if you ever have any doubts, look to the cross. And you know how much God loves you and how he has taken care of you eternally so that now nothing can separate you from Him. You have the promise that He's going to work all things out for your good because you belong to Him. I enjoy looking back into history and seeing God's faithfulness at work. It was in May of 1940, at the beginning of World War II, when things looked bleak for the almost 350,000 British and French soldiers who had been backed up to the English Channel at a little French town called Dunkirk. They were surrounded by the German Wehrmacht, the German army, and the only way that they could escape was to go across the channel in boats back to England. Well, they would have been sitting ducks for the Luftwaffe, the German Air Force, and at that time they were incomparable. They, they, had a, they, were, they were superior in the skies, and so they knew that that wasn't going to work. And so what happened? King George VI called a national day of prayer, called everyone, all work stopped, and they prayed. The next day there was a violent storm along the northern coast of Germany and Netherlands and Belgium. It rained and poured. The entire area was covered with fog so that the German planes were not able to fly. The fog was so intense that the German tanks were not able to operate. And yet on the British side of the English Channel, there was bright sunshine. The water was as still as glass. And the British people soon realized the miracle that God had sent. And immediately they set out in thousands of boats of all different sizes across the channel. And in a matter of hours, over 338,000 men were rescued and brought back to England. And that day, up and down the coast of England, you could see something. Soldiers, civilians, huddled together in circles, praying, thanking God. What about you and me? What are you clothed in today? Are you clothed in, more, in, in guilt, in have-tos, in shoulds? Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
be clothed with His grace that was given to you at your baptism, just like Philip today. And wear that that clothing, cuddle up in Jesus as your Savior. And God is faithful. He says, cast all your cares on Him because He cares for you. What a joy and a privilege we have. He promises to do everything well in your life. If you believe that, I I invite you this week to get some rest with God. Not in a have to, but in a want to. Spend some time with Him in prayer every day this week. And you start by thanking Him for your standing with Him, that through Jesus all things are yours and that you belong to Him. And you are wearing His robe of righteousness. And because of that, all things are yours in Christ, that you are free you, to joyfully and spontaneously go to the Lord about anything and everything that is in your heart. And friends, that is faithful prayer. Amen? Amen. God bless you all.